Hello, and welcome to the Agama Bone Cement Podcast, the podcast where we talk with leading clinicians about dentistry trends today and beyond. We are happy to have today as our guest, Dr. Jose Camilla Ferreira. Dr. Ferreira is an oral surgeon living and working in Portugal. He is a member of the Portuguese Dentistry Order, the OMD, and speaks internationally for Noble Biocare. Dr. Ferreira graduated with a BDS, DDS from ISCS Sul in Portugal in 1998, and afterwards studied implant surgery in Madrid. In 2014, he became an associate fellow of the Foundation for Oral Rehabilitation and went on to study implantology and hard and soft tissue management at Implant Brazil in 2015, where he continued to study zygomatic implant surgery and rehabilitation for many years. In 2017, he received an oral surgery specialist degree from the OMD. In 2019, Dr. Ferreira received the title of Surgical Master in Regenerative Implant Dentistry at the University of Sejid under Professor Istvan Urban, and he is currently an assistant professor in various courses on advanced oral surgery in Portugal and Brazil and is a leader in his field. Thank you for joining us here today, Dr. Ferreira. How are you doing? Oh, thank you very much for the nice introduction. Makes me feel like, a, you know, a, a big doctor. And uh, well, I'm very well, thank you. Before we begin speaking about work with bone cement, I wanted to ask you, when did you decide to become a dentist? Well, that's a, that's a funny question. Since I was a kid, all my father's friends were doctors and from different types of things, dentists, plastic surgery, whatever. My grandfather was also a, a doctor. He was the first man in the world to do a, a heart transplant. It was in a dog because he, he was treating persons, but he knew that he did the, the transplantation of the heart, but then the dog died two weeks after because they didn't have the knowledge of the antibodies as they have now. And so this to say that all all the friends, my, my uncles were doctors, everybody was. Life for me was being a doctor. I, I, I saw all the people that I knew, but the my father had a... Uh, some friends that were dentists and they were kind of a person that when you're a kid, you respect because he was always happy, very nice. And they were, you know, dining, dining out. They want to live life. It was probably if it was uh, another profession, you will be the same. But by coincidence, I thought, so all the doctors is good, but the dentist is the, it's the coolest of them all. Then I went to his office a couple of times with my father and my mother, and, and I waited for, for him to treat their mouth. And I was looking, and he had all the endodontic files with different colors. And so for a kid, it's a lot of colors, a lot of little things. It's materials that get hard, and you can do little balls with it. So at 12 years old, I had only two options, one to be a dentist, the other one to be a, a fighter pilot. Then when I arrived to 18, and my mother was always crying, no, I don't want you to in the Air Force. No, no, please promise you're not going to the Air Force. But I wanted to go. So, but then we get older and I thought maybe I go to the commercial airplanes. I really love airplanes. So I decided to go to the, to the dentary school and probably it was one of my worst mistakes ever because imagine if I was a, a pilot in a company, I'll be able to go to, you know, all the places. And uh, my brother-in-law is a pilot, like a trick of destiny. 
my brother-in-law is a pilot and he has the most wonderful life. It's so, and I'm stuck in an office every day. No, I'm joking. I studied in Lisbon and then I worked in Lisbon for five years. Then my wife got pregnant. God knows uh, how. <laughs> and uh, we decided to come to Algarve, okay, to raise the, the kid because Lisbon was all the major cities has a lot of thing, good things and also a lot of bad things. And we decided to start in Algarve. I created a little clinic. As you open a little clinic, you have to be able, you have no patience. You open the door and, and you have no patience. So you have to wait for them to come in and you have to create your name and you have to create the need for the patients to come. Nowadays, I'm lucky because I have other clinics from all around sending the patient that they cannot solve, they send us to us. That is also bad sometimes because you end up doing, you know, all the difficult stuff day after day. And most of the times with good results, but sometimes also with disillusion. Dentist life is a solitude life, you know, because when you make a mistake, it's your fault. It's no one else's fault. So but it's mainly, it's good. I live in a small uh, village near the sea and I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Can you tell us a bit more about your daily life? So uh, I live side by side with the clinic. I go walking to my clinic. I came home walking to lunch. It's a one minute walk or two minute walk. Uh, 30 seconds if it's raining. So I, I'll go running. <laughs> you asked me when I was a, a kid with 18 years old or something, it was a very boring life. But now I think it's a beautiful life. I, I love it. I love it. I love uh, my kids and my wife. And my wife works with me. She's one of the secrets of, the, of my professional life. Okay. She's uh, an amazing dentist she went also to israel she's using also augma and sockets and those kind of uh, small surgeries and so it's uh, it's a very peaceful life we support the community as as far as we can i live here now for 19 years in algarve i'm more algarvian now than from lisbon almost and so we live by the sea and we walk around. If I wasn't to uh, talk with you now, probably I was doing a, a walk from my house to, to the beach. If we can, we do the, we go in straight line to the beach is a natural reserve. Okay. In front of my house to the beach is a natural reserve. Then we probably stop in the, in the fish market, buy some fish and come home do a barbecue. And then uh, one of my favorite hobbies, it's to do presentations to Alkma. <laughs> and what about in your free time? Do you have any hobbies? Yeah, I'm uh, crazy about bicycle. I, I sponsor a, well, a semi-professional team, amateur team, but they are almost like professionals. And I like to do things related to the sea, okay, because we live very near the sea. I do paddle surf, you know, fishing. I, I call it paddle fishing. I just throw a, a sample with the hooks to the sea and I do the paddle. And then when I arrive to the end, I always have fish on the, the tip. So I do, you know, barbecues in family and 
well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older, Elisheva. So I don't go to clubs anymore. I don't do those kind of stuff. So I mostly try to do some sport and then uh, barbecues with friends and family. I like wine. Okay, so I collect, you know, red wine and white wine. I have a, a collection. I wake up every day at uh, seven o'clock, go to the gym. You know, almost kill myself with a personal trainer that doesn't understand that I've, I have 50 and he's 20. So it doesn't, he will understand in 30 years from now what, what he was doing to me. <laughs> then I try to get home, you know, alive and go to work every day. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first got started? Well, I started, I think, 23 years ago, my career. Actually, I started as a, a child dentist, a general dentist. But then, you know, you get older and you start doing other things. And I always wanted to, to be able to, to resolve all the problems of uh, my patients. So the, the worst thing that could happen to me, it's uh, someone arrived in the office and I had no solution for his problem. So I started to try to learn how to do certain things and implants and uh, surgery and then when you know how to do the implants or you think you know how to do the implants because it takes you know a lot of years i still don't know how to do them uh, i hope in the future i will know even better you understand that it's not the difficult part the difficult part is to find a way of making the implants possible to do and for that you have to sometimes reconstruct the bone, reconstruct tissues. And so it was more or less my goal was to provide a complete service to all my patients. So I started learning and trying to do things. I did my, I still do my root canals. I'm the kind of a doctor that can do, in one patient I do a major surgery, on the other one I do a cleaning. And then I do a root canal, then I do another surgery. So it's, it's more or less my life. It's like this. I cannot let go from the other things. Most of the time I'm doing surgery, but I still do a lot of the other things in my cases. You know, when I decide to go ahead with a case that I have to, you know, fix uh, prostheses and root canals, I, I do it all. I uh, confess that now the time is getting shorter and shorter. And which implantology procedures are done in your clinic? Nowadays, we do everything. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I'm lucky because I, I'm finally able to do most everything. I don't know if, if in the right way, but most of the things I, I don't, now I can do anything. You mentioned just now that you were doing procedures at the time that most people were not doing. What kind of procedures? Well, one of them is it's the AUGMA, okay, AUGMA horizontal augmentations, which is very easy. You have to think that imagine people tend to go to a place like you do probably in your life. You go to a place and ask for a solution and a price. The, the clinic will tell you the type of solution and price, and then you go to another one and they will do the same. And then imagine you go to my clinic around me, there's also very nice surgeons near here, like Dr. Lucio and Dr. Sergio Pereira. And when they come to other places and then they come to my clinic, I can present them with different price 
and a different perspective of treatment. So I used to do, I still do, horizontal augmentations in the traditional way. A mandibular augmentation in the, let's say, in the fourth quadrant, it will take me three hours to do, you know, properly. And now with the augma, I can probably it will take me less than an hour already with the conversations in the beginning, at the end. And so when the patient comes, I can tell I can tell him that I will do it and do it for probably for half of the price that I used to do. The guys doing the conventional techniques will will charge them because it's impossible to charge less when you're using a lot of different biomaterials. And with Alma, probably I will earn more than I used to, you know, because I'm using Alma is it's very inexpensive if you compare it with other material. I I will use less time, I will charge less to the patient. The patient will tell this to his friends, to their friends. And so it's a snowball. It's a good snowball. Snowball because it's white, you know, like Kalma. <laughs> Here in Portugal, you know, we are not like a very rich country like the United States. The people, when they go to do a major uh, implant work and they have to reconstruct the jaws and they... Sometimes they are using the life savings, you know, an old lady or an old man goes there and he wants to finally give up a plate that, that is using for 30 years. And sometimes they, they will tell you, doctor, I want to use a fixed plate because I went to the hospital the other day and they took me the teeth out. Because when you go in, in the hospital, they, they will take all the removable prosthetics. No, we are younger than them, okay? And we don't think about it. And so they come and they tell us, so I'm, I want to do, no matter the, the cost, okay? They want to know the better, because I want to go to the hospital and then my, my kids and nephews and grandchildren can go and visit me without seeing. So this is a very big responsibility. When you're using most of the, the money of that person, it's not like, like a millionaire that goes there and, and buy another coat. It's something that they really thought about it. So you have to deliver the best. So that's when Augma came in also. Do you have a teacher or any mentors that were very influential in your life? I, I can say that I have four uh, people that they were like uh, my mentors. In the way I'm, I'm working and taking the photos and doing the cases now. One of them is, was my father, of course. He, my father is a plastic surgeon. He's very, very well known here in Portugal and is one of the uh, breaking leaders. I think he's the best. He's considered the best of uh, the sex, uh, how do you call it, gender. The... Reassignment surgery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so everybody goes to him. And for him, it was very easy to you know, do surgery, of course. And then when I started the implant, he was there side by side with me, you know, helping me at the, the first sinus lift and those kind of things that for him was, were very easy for me, became easy also with him. So if it, it wasn't him, it was more difficult for me to, to be here now. And second, it was uh, Lucio Faria. Okay, because I came to Algarve, then I get to know him through the Noble Biocare. And he had a, a lot of uh, new ideas that shared with me, knowing I had a clinic, you know, 25 kilometers from his clinic. And he's the kind of guy that 
some some people will think, oh, I'm not going to tell him how to do it because he's he was going to steal my patient. But it's not like that. So he taught, taught me. It was one of the person that helped me a lot, you know, getting uh, uh, into the advanced uh, implantology, let's call it like it, and prosthetics. And then I have uh, I had also a person that changed my surgical life, which was uh, Professor Salvoni. Alexander Salvoni. And then the fourth, and that's what I was telling you this story. The fourth is uh, Inaki Gamburena, which is the most amazing, uh, you know, dentist I've ever saw. And that's statically in terms of photo, surgical results. I will say he's so good. I, I will be embarrassed to show him any of my cases. I will try to be, uh, I, I try to be a perfectionist with everything. Sometimes it's even bad, okay? <laughs> because it, it makes you suffer more than you should probably, but I never achieve it, but I will die trying it, okay? But he's achieved it, he's, he's amazing. So as I met him in a course, it changed my, the way the thing things. So it's not very difficult to take good photos. It's uh, difficult to take, you know, amazing, perfect photos like he's doing it. Just for you to see that his, his office, when he takes a photo, the, the walls uh, are the flashes. So it makes like, poof. I was actually surprised you didn't say photography is one of your hobbies since you take such amazing photos. Now that you mention it, well, I take the photos of uh, cases. I don't consider it amazing, you know, uh, uh, prodigy i just take the photos from the surgery and the patients they have a lot of patients with me okay because most of them they become my friends and and so i ask them do you mind that i take a, a picture and it's very annoying probably because i put a, different things inside the the patient mouth you know like black things the back of the of the teeth and you know all the mirrors and but I do it in a very amateur way, and I try to for the photos to to be great because I really I, I think that it's a way that I had to show uh, respect and uh, respect the person that I going to see the the presentations. Okay, so I did all my best not only for the patient but also for the guy that are going to see and the girls, of course, that are going to see the presentation in a way that I did the best I could. How did you first hear about Bonsamen? I was giving a course with um, with the Professor Salvoni here in Algarve, a uh, course of zygomatic uh, implants with the Professor Salvoni and the Professor Eugenio Pereira. And then at the end of the course, the course went really good. And then at, at the end of the course, he asked me if I wanted to go with him to Miami to a meeting. And then I said, well, I don't know, it's too expensive, it's a lot of time. But then I decided to go. And uh, that's when I, I was uh, arriving in the morning, like six and a half or something with a jet lag. And I was, I didn't know which day was it. So, and then I met with, with uh, Professor Salama and you, I was the, he said I was the only Portuguese there. So he invited me to go to a course. 
And he said, well, you're the friend of Salvoni. Yeah, yeah, I'm the, oh, so do you want to go to a course? We have two courses in this morning. One of them is a bone augmentation with bone cement. And the other, the other one, I don't remember anymore. And so he said the first one. So he was offering me the course. So I, I said, I tried to be polite. So when someone offers something, you don't uh, see the, the tooth of the horse when it's offered, isn't it? So I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go to that. I'll go to that one. And then I entered and that's when I met Amos and he gave a spectacular mind opening lecture about the Augma, which I didn't knew. I had worked with, with the bone cement in the past. I tried it, but it was not something that changed my mind. So I, I left it, I think. But then I was hearing Amos speaking about this material and all the guys in the room were also speaking with me saying, oh, this is beautiful. You have to try it. Blah, blah, blah. And then if he made the, the, the question, how many of you have used uh, the Augma bond cement? Most of the guys put your, uh, raised their hands. And I was just, you know, which one use it uh, for a year? And all the guys putting the hands and, and a month and all the guys and, and one hour. And I still had my, my uh, hand down. So I heard, I drink all the information because I knew it was, um, well, Hamus was not in Portugal at that time. So, and nobody in Portugal knew the, the material. So we did a beautiful hands-on. And I pick up all the information I had and I went to the, the lobby where they had, the, you know, all the, the materials, presentations, all the, the companies. And there was uh, Amos standing there and I asked them, well, can I take it? Do you think I can take it to Portugal? I said, yeah, yeah, you can take it. So I bought, uh, I think it was 18 doses of bond appetite and and then I, I was really afraid. I don't know if you want me to say these kind of things, but I was really afraid to bring the material to Portugal because you have to think that we were in the United States was I think four years ago. And I was crossing the, to Portugal in a plane with 18 uh, syringes of white powder. <laughs> huh? They didn't knew what, what it was. So imagine if it stopped me. I only thought, that, oh my God, if they stop me in the, in the costumes. It, 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 it will, yeah, it, 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 it will look like the, those programs in television where they stop the people. And then do you have, what do you have in your bag? And then they will test it with something to see if it's, uh, you know, blue. And you know, if it gives blue and I was, oh my God, at least they were going to ruin the, the syringe. But no, it, everything was peaceful. I entered, I took it to my clinic and then I just leave it there for a while because I was thinking, well, one of these days I will use it. One of these days I will use. And then it came the case. It was my first case and it's still beautiful, a beautiful case for me. It was a patient that didn't have you know, a lot of money and decided to offer the bone graft. And I said, I have something new. Do you want me to use it? I won't charge anything. Okay, uh, you can use it. And then it was amazing. I had the most amazing uh, results. It was in the aesthetical zone. So it was, if it went wrong, it, it was not so good. Uh, but no, it went really well. And then I was, uh, because Amos, it's one of the, best persons I've ever met. He gave me the, you know, from a 
a guy from Portugal that he didn't knew, he gave me his contact and he was uh, sending me message. So uh, have you ever used it? How, how, is, how was it? And I, I didn't. But then as I had the photos and the results, I sent him a couple of image showing the results and thanking him for the, for the material. And then we develop a, a friendship relationship, which was very good. And well, and then end up in here talking with you. <laughs> here we are today. <laughs> here we are today. You brought it to Portugal and there wasn't any Agma in Portugal at the time. Did you have any kind of interesting discussion with your colleagues about it? Were people like, hey, what is this? This thing yeah. Is over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always the same question. When they look to a to a work because I was presenting some things for some surgeries for noble biocare. And when I showed the, the surgeries, there was always a slide where you have the white, white stuff over the, the implants and over the bone and ev everywhere. And uh, they will say the same question. It was, what is the white stuff? And so <laughs> I was already Ask at the end, you know, at the end. So anyone have a question for the Tovreda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and the question was always, what's the white stuff you use? You know, they didn't ask about the implants. They didn't ask about anything. They just wanted to know the white stuff. And then I told them that it's, it was Augmabon cement. They wanted to try it, to buy it. I think I even gave one or two syringe to friends of mine. And the, one of them was Lucio, Lucio Faria. And another one was uh, Sergio Diaz from the north. And as I presented to, to them, because I had more contact with them, they decided to go with me to the meeting in, uh, in Tel Aviv. So probably they had a, a success with it. If not, they, they didn't went. And so it was, uh, it was the second time I bought the Augma because I became loaded with with bone cement, uh, another stress in the plane again. But that time it was already starting to be possible to buy it here in Portugal. And, uh, and nowadays it's, you can buy it uh, very easily. I think in one way or the other, everybody knows it. When you first started using bone cements, did you feel like you had a learning curve? Well, that's a, a very good question. It's a material that you cannot buy and go home without knowing anything. If you do it, you probably will use it as uh, the other uh, bone materials and you'll have major insuccess. So, of course, I had a, a learning curve, you know, because first, it's normal to have such a good result when you use it that then you'll try to use it in everything, okay? You'll probably end up putting it in the coffee, seeing if it gets better. The first time I used it, it was great. Then I used it a couple of times. I've only had 18 syringes. So as in the first success, I thought, oh, I have to keep this like, like you know, like old bottles of wine is only for special occasions because they were not selling it yet for Portugal. But I had, of course, a learning curve because I had, you know, I tried to do some things that I wasn't supposed to do. Uh, it never happened, nothing. It's not a, something that you might fail, okay? You don't fail like, oh my God, what have I done? But you, of course, you don't have the results when you don't use it uh, well. But actually, when Amos uh, did, did the presentation in Miami, he was so, so good. And the way he spoke was so incisive 
that I mainly got most of the of the process uh, right. Then I started to speak with him, and of course, and then I started to go to the page and see other colleagues doing the cases. I went to. It was very important to to go to the meeting in Israel because I thought I w- I knew. All, all the things about Aug already until I went to the first uh, Aug meeting. Yeah. Okay. So when I went there, I see all the guys using it for a long time. What were they doing? I see, I don't want to leave anything, anyone uh, behind, but uh, I see, you know, my cats up doing uh, soft tissue augmentation and uh, Dudek doing major grafts on, on, the, on big bone defects, you know, uh, Berg doing a lot of stuff and sinus or whatever. So it was uh, for me and Dr. Lucy went with me also, it was, uh, you know, the change. That, that was like, you know, when you write something and then went into Tel Aviv was like doing a, a underscore um, on it so it's mm-hmm. it was of course you you need to use it and and uh, and learn how to use it but that's why you have to search uh, it's the best way is to always find someone that use it for a, a longer time than you and try to take some doubts about it but you also have a, an amazing uh, web page of augma with all the cases you have uh, Augma Flix now, which is great. So I think that anybody that really wants to, uh, you know, to get better in, the, in this office and to deliver the best work for the patients and, of course, is uh, using Augma, you have all the, the tools to help him do the, the learning curve as fast as uh, possible. So it's... Resuming, we have a learning curve, but it's a very easy learning curve. I learned once in a meeting, I think also, that if you have a technique that uh, it's very difficult to do, so you go home, you do it once and you fail, you do it twice and you fail, and you try to do it the third time, it's because the, the technique is not good. So in this case, that's the opposite because you, you go, you try to do it after a, you know, a lecture and, and an ends on and you actually can pull it out. So that's the kind of uh, thing that I like and that's the kind of thing that I take uh, to my friends and try to um, you know, convince them and of the importance, is, uh, importance of, uh, of this material. And do you have any advice for clinicians that are starting to use Augma? Yes, that's, uh, I always advise the, them the same way. It's, it's a wonderful material that will save you a lot of time, save a lot of patient, a lot of problems to the patient. Okay, we'll get you more patients because uh, you know, nowadays everybody wants, there's more clinics, more clinicians. So everybody wants to have more patients at the end of the day because they have bills to pay and clinics to keep. So this is also a material that enables you to have more patients because the patient goes home without all the, after a short surgery with almost no bleeding, with no swallowing, and then they will go and speak with another uh, friend of them that went to another clinic and is all 
dark and swallow a face. It's all dark and blue and green. And they will say, oh, it was a nightmare. If I knew what I know now, I would never do it. And they said, oh, for me, it was very peaceful. So the, all the reasons to use this material, easy, it's easy to use, it's fast. You can, um, if we talk about, you know, uh, a company perspective, you can double your incomes using it if you use it wisely you reduce the the time of the surgery a lot and then you can operate two patients or three patients in the time that you operate one you can even do it you know with less money because you don't spend so much membranes and pins and lots of things that you used to spend and so it's it's better for your business it's better for your patient patient and it's better for you also, because if you measure the heart rate when you're doing a difficult surgery, and it's, uh, it's like almost like a Formula One pilot, you see, you have a very high. So you're also saving yourself. But what I will say to them also, it's you have to use it knowing how to use it. Okay, you can have a Ferrari, but if you don't know how to drive, you're going to have an accident or you can have a Rolls Royce. But if you don't have a driver's license, there's no point in having it. You're going to kill yourself. Okay, so that's the, the main thing. Use it because it's impossible not to use it, but use it wisely after you, knew, you know what you're doing. Less trauma for the patients, less trauma for you, less trauma for your assistant. Okay, because, you know, when we get, I have a bad temper. In, during surgery. So when I get stressed, I stress my, in this case, Daniela, which is the, the person that works me, with me every day. So I stress her also. So she arrived home and probably she will fight with her husband because of me, you know, because we all get more stressed. So this way, it's a lighter thing. It's, it's for me to know Augment was great. When I like one thing, I do everything for it. So that's why I'm here with you. And that's what I will tell to my colleagues that start using Augma. It's the best thing there is, but you have to know how to use it, okay? But then you have the problem that it goes against all the things that they taught you in the courses and the bone augmentation courses. So you have to uh, use a membrane, you have to release the flaps, you have to do all the, you know, difficult technical stuff that with augma it's precisely the opposite so if you do it you'll even ruin the, the material and the results that you were supposed to have so that is the main thing to to break down that wall i'm not a fundamentalist in in respect of a material i'm always an open-minded so every material have its own place and augma have a it's like the imagine the an antibiotic. You cannot use the antibiotic to kill all the bacteria in the world, but there are some antibiotic with a large spectrum, and augma is one of them, okay, in respect of uh, bone cement. But of course, the main thing is to convince the colleague. That's probably the biggest barrier I have when I talk with a colleague. It's no, 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 no. Don't do it like that. If you do it like that, you're going to ruin it. Do it just like they told you to do. Yeah, but if I put a membrane or if I put, no, 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 no. You have to forget it. You have to empty your glass to fill it again. You know, if you're drinking uh, orange juice 
and then you have your cup in the middle and you put red wine, it will not be, or orange juice or red wine, it will be something that probably you cannot drink. So it's the same. That's the main difficult thing. How has COVID changed dentistry for you? Has it affected your practice in any way? Well, um, I must say that in the 2019, when it started, I was doing, you know, surgery like a maniac. Like I had no time to nothing except surgery. Even the, the, the free times that I had, I was, you know, booking patient. It was, uh, I don't know why everybody decided to have surgery. And then the COVID came. We have to close the clinics here in Portugal. I think in most of the countries, they had to, to close the clinics. And uh, we didn't know how many time it will be because they close it and that's it. So, and then when it started, you know, people was a bit scared of going to the clinic because of the COVID. We had to implement, you know, a couple of things in the clinic to make it uh, safer. But most of the things we already use it. So we were already covering the feet when people entering in the clinic, you know, we had all the things that we're obliged to use after we had it already. The only thing I bought was air purifier for all the, the rooms, etc. And people started to come in very slowly. Most of them to do, you know, little things. They were afraid to the surgery not only because they were afraid to get COVID, but mostly because they didn't have any money. Because I live in Algarve and this is a touristic place. So imagine a touristic place where people directly or indirectly live from the tourists, especially English and German and all over, Swedish. And the hotels, they work in the hotels, they work in the restaurants, they work in the, the beach, they, they work everything related to the tourism. So and the tourists were not able to go. England was closing Portugal as a destination. All the So if you came, you had to spend like 15 days in an hotel when you come back. And so it was completely stopped. But still, most of the people, some of the people, they had treatments in the middle and they continued to come. I cannot say I was lucky. I had all the, the appointments full but not doing the, you know, surgery as I used to. Now I was doing uh, little surgeries because people didn't want to spend the, the money I told you about. They were thinking that they might have to use it to, to live, to buy food, etc. And then people were maybe losing fear of the, of the disease. And of course, most of the yeah. surgery patients in the developed countries, they are older, okay, because of a 20-year-old guy and girl, they don't need, you know, major rehabilitation. And those patients, they are normally the ones, they are being very affected because they have no time. You know, if you have, imagine you have 75 years old and you have to spend two years without social contact. They arrive to a point that they think, well, I haven't. I, I don't care anymore about the COVID. I'm going on with my life because if I don't die from the COVID, I will die from the boredom. So they started to come. That was the bad, the bad part in Algarve, the tourism. But on the other hand, we have a lot of uh, people from all over the world. And so they are retired. And the retired people, it was the opposite. They were earning much more money because they cannot spend it in restaurants or in traveling. And so they were coming. And so I had 
most of the, the patients were from another countries, you know, retired people from another country. I'm always positive with things. So I managed to, to keep the clinic going for the first time since the last year and this year, we were considered the top 5% of Portugal companies. So in a very difficult year. So I imagine the, the state of the other companies, <laughs> but it was for us, it was good to, to receive the prize, okay? And uh, I didn't knew that it existed, received it by mail. So congratulations, when, when you're one of the top 5% companies and this year the same. So I'm lucky at the end, but also the, the main thing was because I was doing things that most of the other guys weren't. The idea is when you know how to do something, how can you make it easier for the patient? And what would you like to see in the future of your practice and in dentistry? I want to retire by the boat and go fishing. That's uh... <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> no, yes. Uh, well, of course, the, the biggest barrier will be uh, to find a way of doing uh, vertical augmentation with, uh, with Augma. Well, I've been trying a, a couple of techniques. Most of the guys are trying also in, you know, in selected uh, situations, but that will be the, the biggest thing if we could do the vertical augmentation. But for now, it's good enough to have the, the horizontal augmentation. That is also a problem. People think, oh, now augmentation, I'm going to do the vertical. And then of course they don't have a good result and then the material is not good, blah, blah, blah. It's the same. So in the future, in respect of the material, that's it. Okay, in, in respect of, the, of my practice, I would want to keep uh, learning and doing the more, more modern techniques, adapting them to the life of the patients here in Algarve and probably retire and you know, sell the clinic, sell the kids, sell everything and <laughs> buy a boat, go fishing. <laughs> Well, I wanted to thank you so much, Dr. Ferrer, for coming and speaking with us today. For anyone else who would like to come and see more of Dr. Ferrer's work, you can come to Ogmaflix at ogmabio.com backslash Ogmaflix. And thank you to all of our listeners who came here today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Alicia. It's always a pleasure.